Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Growing up, I mean, I didn't have, although my, my parents were very much into their cultures, you know, my dad spoke Farsi with his family, and every time I was with my family, I'd be around Farsi. My mom still was speaking Spanish with her family, so I grew up around these cultures, but they didn't teach me their languages, and language is such a part of culture. So there's something that I feel like I lack because I didn't learn the languages. Um, and growing up, most of my friends were just, you know, uh, Caucasian Americans, and so I didn't have a lot of Latin friends and a lot of Persian friends. Uh, so I grew up with the bits of all three cultures and um, I just never felt enough of any of them, which I'm sure a lot of people out there with multicultural background can understand. When I'm with um, Colombian family or Colombians, I may not feel Colombian enough, although I, you know, I feel Latin. And when I'm with the Persians, I don't feel Persian enough, although I do um, you know, embrace my Persian culture. And when I'm in America, I feel like I'm the different exotic one because people often see the Iranian Colombian side, but it's funny living abroad, living in Europe, I kind of feel my identity the most here. Like I, I feel American and I feel very comfortable and like I understand who I am here. How you day, how you day? That was Seppi and today's conversation really is a discussion about identity, what that means when it's across cultures. Seppi is someone who has created a platform for women over 30 who want to break free from a life of routine and start a life of travel. And she has an interesting story because she grew up in between cultures much like I did and much like a lot of you have. And I found it interesting how she learned how to find herself in between all these nuance that comes with different layers of, of cultural identity. We talked about how to move abroad late in life, how to start working remotely, and what it means to live abroad as a multicultural American. Hope you enjoy it. The point of these episodes is really to show you what it's like to humanize travel, to humanize culture, to understand what it means to connect across cultures, and to really get to the root of our superpowers as humans who are living in a digital and globalized world. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope it inspires you to reach out to someone different from you. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Sepi Tabibian. Now, she was born a citizen of the world to a Colombian mother and an Iranian father in West Virginia. She spent all but nine months of her childhood growing up in the Lone Star State and proudly considers herself a native Texan. Although her parents were from South America and the Middle East, her passion for travel didn't start until high school when she befriended a group of foreign exchange students. Convincing her traditional Iranian father to let her travel solo to the Netherlands for her 17th birthday was no easy feat. Little did they know 
that his support for her trip to visit a friend will become the most pivotal moment in her life. Her first trip abroad prompted a deep and magical love affair with travel and self-exploration that continues till this day, 20 years later. Welcome to the show, Sefi. Thank you so much, Ty. What a great introduction. So happy to be here. Thank you. What a great life. And I am already fascinated. I want to know everything from the beginning. So young Seppi, talk to me about what it was like growing up with an Iranian father and Colombian mother. And then that moment where you had that pivotal moment where you knew your life will forever never be the same, will forever change for that moment. Talk to me about that. All right. So, okay, let's go back in time here. Um, so my name's Seppi. <laughs> Growing up in uh, in Houston, Texas is where I spent my, my childhood. Um, you know, I just wanted to be like everyone else. Maybe some other multicultural and third culture kids out there can understand. I wanted to be Sarah. I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to be Iranian-Colombian. Um, and so, yeah, when I was in elementary school, I really just wanted to be like everyone else. So when I was younger, I didn't appreciate uh, the beauty of culture that I had through my parents. Um, and then as I got older, um, like uh, you had mentioned, I met a group of uh, foreign exchange students in high school. And they really, it's funny, growing up with these cultures in my home, I wasn't really in tune to the rest of the world until I met uh, these foreign exchange students. And they were kind of my catalyst to wanting to understand what was out there, you know, the worlds that they were coming from. And so with that, when I was 17, I begged my parents to buy me a plane ticket to go visit one of uh, these new friends that I had who had moved back to the Netherlands. And my father being Iranian, old school, uber protective, it was uh, it was difficult to um, negotiate that and win him over. But uh, luckily he did. And that trip, going to a new country and really just seeing how different things were from my own little bubble was, it was a mind blowing. Like anyone who's traveled for the first time, no matter how old you are, that experience really shows you how little you are and how much of the world you don't understand. Um, and for me, it was uh, my, my first addiction, uh, my biggest addiction, right? You know, that trip um, made an impression on me and I just wanted to travel, you know, for the rest of my life. I always put travel first. So that's, that's where that started. Oh, wow. Now, this is so interesting for me because you're so right about the fact that a lot of multicultural kids and, and, and third culture kids initially, they just, you know, they want to be the same with, with a lot of people. They don't want to be pointed out because of their differences. And mm -hmm. as you grow older, you sort of understand the, the actual advantage and superpower that that actually can be if you learn how to connect across differences. I'm curious to learn from you what you you learned about your superpower and how you tapped into it, especially when you found yourself in different environments. How did you learn how to connect with people from different backgrounds, knowing that you yourself come from a multicultural background? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, obviously growing up with the two different cultures helped me out a lot. Um, you know, Iranian and Colombian cultures have a lot in common, you know, the traditional sense and um, value of family. Um, but there are, there are very two different cultures. Latins in general, this is a very big generalization, but they're more fiery, open, um, you know, they, they're very expressive. And my Iranian side of the family felt more of, you know, just keeping everyone comfortable, maybe not saying exactly what's on their mind. So kind of living in these two worlds and growing up in the U.S., um, I had a lot of different examples of how to communicate and interact with people. So when I traveled abroad, um, you know, I think all of those kind of came into play. 
And also I was learning new ways of communication in all the different cultures uh, that I was in. And at the same time, learning so much about myself. Travel is not only learning about these new worlds and distant lands, but you're, especially when you travel on your own, um, you really start to uh, get into the deep aspects of who you are, what you think, um, and you have nothing really to fall back on, you know, nothing familiar. So you're really learning um, who you are while you travel. Yeah, yeah. That self-exploration is, is one of the most freeing things you can have once you, once you tap into that because, uh, I, I, yeah, you're right. You, once you learn about yourself and you learn about the environment around you, it ultimately filters down into everything that you do, whether it's business, whether it's personal or social. And, and, that's a, and that's a key asset I think we all need in today's world because even as it becomes more globalized and more digitalized, we are coming into contact with people that don't look like us or have different cultures. Mm-hmm. And it's very important for us to understand how to react one, but also how to interact uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And um, that doesn't come from just reading. It also comes from experience and putting yourself out there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so then talk to me about what it is that you do right now, because you said that opened the door to what mm-hmm. you, you know, the, the travel to Netherlands, which is a country I've visited and I want to visit. But that travel there gave you this gateway and this, you know, opened the idea into this love affair that you've had with travel. And now you basically break free from a life of routine and you live a life of travel. What, how do you do that? Yes. So, you know, it started when I was 17 and probably from. 17 on every summer, I just picked a new country and went there. And so, like I said earlier, travel was my, my main priority. Um, and when I was 21, I came to Spain and for the first time and just fell in love with this country and culture. And, um, I could never make it work though. I wanted to live here. And for a lot of Americans, um, it's difficult to get a visa here. And so teaching English tends to be the only way that we can be here. So a few times throughout my twenties, I tried it out. I tried to stay, uh, but I always fell into teaching English, which wasn't what I wanted to do long term. And so I decided to a, a master's here in international relations and kind of thought that would be my gateway. Um, that would really help me network here and be able to get a job here. Um, it didn't work out that way. And so once again, in 2015, I tried again to come, and this time it has worked out. And so uh, this time around, I am working, I found a way to work remotely. Uh, my background is in marketing, and so when I came here to Spain, I actually spent a year teaching English, but told myself, you know, I'm 35, I don't want to get stuck in teaching English, so I'm going to hustle my way, and if I don't find a way out in a year, I'm going to go back to the U.S. And luckily, I found a way out and got hired with a Spanish company working um, in social media marketing. So that's what I do now. I work in social media marketing. Um, I've moved out of that company and now work remotely. And uh, it's worked out pretty well. It's given me the lifestyle that I've always wanted to be able to not have any tethers. Um, I can travel while I work. And I really enjoy the work that I'm doing now. Oh, no, well, th- this is that's so interesting for me because, I, yeah, a lot of times one of the ways to actually travel abroad and move abroad is teaching. Uh, but mm-hmm. you said that wasn't something you wanted to do and that you found a way through school and through the social media marketing to have that balance. Talk to me about the options. How can people actually move abroad uh, in life? Because I think I hear, I've heard, been running this podcast for a long time and I've heard many objections to moving abroad. And one thing that comes up is age. Another thing that comes up is lifestyle and mm-hmm. jobs. So yeah, someone sure. doesn't want to teach. Someone doesn't want to be a social media marketer. How can they find something 
that fits them and allows them to move. Def definitely, yeah. So there are many options. Depends where you want to go in the world and what your nationality is. But at the end of the day, um, you know, one of the great ways is to start if you have a great job in your in the in your home country. Um, inquire within your company to see if there are opportunities to be. Um, you know, transferred abroad. I know a lot of people here in Madrid that are from the U.S. and that's how they got here. And that's probably the easiest way, right? Because you already have the job built in, the visas provided for you. It's an, it's an easy way in. Um, if you don't want to teach English, you know, I would still say consider it if you don't have another option to get into it, to get find work in a country because it can be your foot in the door. Like I said, for myself, I didn't want to do it long term. But giving myself my first year here in Spain or back in Spain, it gave me the opportunity to network with people. And a lot in a lot of countries that you go to, it's your network like it is anywhere in the world that's going to open doors um, professionally. And so you need time to build those relationships. So I would say still consider teaching English as an entry point. Mm. Um, other than that, um, you know, you can look online. There's a lot of websites online um, that offer remote work. So working remotely gives you the opportunity to be able to travel and work. You know, you can spend a few months in each country um, and try things out, see which one you like, but you don't have to find a, a, a job in that country. So if you have skills that you can transfer to a remote job, try that out. And if you don't have the skills, definitely start working towards those and see what you can do. You know, I um, started a community called She Hit Refresh last year to address this topic because you had mentioned the age factor. You know, a lot of times what uh, we do is encourage and maybe support, you know, uh, people in their 20s to go explore, explore the world, explore life, and then, you know, think about hunkering down and settling down in their 30s and beyond. But it shouldn't, doesn't have to be limited to that. The group I started, She Hit Refresh, is for women over 30 who want to change their lives through travel. And that can be through moving abroad, volunteering, taking a sabbatical, a variety of ways, but just to give women... Uh, the tools and resources, and not only that, but show them that there are thousands of women out there who are doing this, and you're never too old to make that change. Wow. Well, no, that, there's so much to unpack there, especially, I love the fact that you, you always embrace that you're over 30, but you don't use that as a barrier. You're saying the hit refresh is literally your hit and refresh, and you can start traveling and be, uh, you know, experience all the joys of what travel brings by moving or just volunteering. If you make it a commitment. Now, w when you started this group, She Hit Refresh, mm -hmm. were there a lot of people who were doubting you and saying, what are you doing? This is like, that doesn't happen for us. We're, we're past <laughs> our, I don't know what happens when women get over 30. So I'm, I'm, I, I, because I don't think it's, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a man. Uh, but I would love to hear from your perspective. What are the things that women think about when they get over 30 and why it has a, I don't know if stigma is the word, but it has a little bit of a, a resistance when it comes to traveling. Yes, that's a great question. You know, it was funny when I was throwing around the idea of starting this group, um, talking to my female friends and my male friends, my female friends really got why there should be kind of an age barrier and the issues surrounding um, women, you know, over 30 and changing their lives drastically through travel. And the men always questioned, but why Why 30? Why don't you just have a group open for everybody, uh, for women of all ages? And so it was funny to see kind of the different perspectives. Um, and that's because there are certain aspects of our worlds. And I think um, the expectations that people have for us as women, especially of, of a certain age. Um, and so... Talking to women, they got it. And, you know, why have an age uh, barrier on this? It's because, 
you know, for women in their 30s, 40s, and above, um, there can be certain um, expectations that, um, you know, you should, you've built a career. Why are you going to leave that to do what? Or mm. I don't know. You have kids. How can you? That's not responsible to leave your kids. Even Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If they're in college to go explore your interest or um, if you're not married, they, I've had people say that didn't understand that you may be jeopardizing um, your opportunity to meet someone because now you're nomadic or mobile or putting yourself in another country. Um, and so sometimes our families and friends may not understand why we want to make these changes later in life. And they may, you know, they're just speaking out of fear and their experience, but they may just think it's not the responsible thing to do for a woman of a certain age, which is sad, but you know what? My group helps uncover, um, the thousands of women of, that are out there that are doing that. So for women who are living in a place where they don't have a community that understands them, they can find it online and they don't feel isolated. They don't feel like they have a weird idea of wanting to, to do this. Um, and that it's totally okay. You know, you can change your life at any point. No one ever has to be uh, stuck on the same path if they don't want to be. That is no, that is so I love that so much. And, and the reason why I was asking that is because, you know, we, we do live in a world, unfortunately, that a lot of patriarchy does exist and a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, bias and, and, and gender roles and, and things are, are out there. And then whether they're subtle or overt, it, it's there. <laughs> and you feel the pressures. And sometimes, you know, it just comes down to ignorance. And a lot of um, men might not know or people might not know. And so hearing you talk about that, and I'm, I'm hearing some of the things that, you, you know, women might feel pressured. Over 30, you don't have a kid. You're not married. Or you are mm-hmm. married. You have a kid. What are you doing? You're responsible. Come on. This is not that. That's past that. Exactly. And, yeah. And so... <laughs> I can imagine how that's a lot where, you know, they just dampen their light because they don't want to deal with what society is going to say. But, and I'm imagining that your group, She Hit Refresh, is full of empowered women who are taking their narrative and saying, this is me and it doesn't matter what you think. And that's pretty, it's pretty, pretty uplifting right there. Yeah, it's very powerful. And you know what? It's right. It's not just the external pressure, pressures, uh, everything that you just mentioned. It's also the internal ones that society has kind of put on us. So also we may feel guilty for wanting to make these changes and do these things and disappoint um, our friends and family or feel that we're not li- living up to the expectations that we should as women. So, yeah, it is a powerful space when you can see other women who are dealing with the same doubts, fears and questions and dreams um, that are going for it and doing it. It's very powerful. And so our group is compromised of women who want to do this and women who are doing that. Um, and so we're in there helping each other. And 
I have to say, I mean, I, you know, I have a lot of guy friends who want to have a sneak peek and see what's going on in there. I'm sorry, just for women, because it's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful space of just empowerment, support, um, and just advice for each other. It's great. And we have women any, everywhere from 30 years old up into their seventies. It's a, it's a really cool space to be in. I love it. I love it. Okay. No, this is good. So w- I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. She hit refresh, right? So that's what Thank it's going to be. She hit yeah. refresh. Okay. Uh, one thing I want to talk to you about, especially when, whenever, uh, I can't remember, what was the time I saw? I think you came, I found your inbox June. Yes. Back mm-hmm. in June. Um, when I first read about your story and uh, what I was thinking about was immediately identity. I wanted to know what it was like for you to, to deal with race, culture, and identity, because, you know, I've had to deal with it, but I, I also think your experience is, is definitely unique for mine in the sense that you might have felt, uh, and this is something you said to me, you might have felt um, not Iranian enough, not Colombian enough. You're, some people call you the exotic one, and you didn't learn the language, or they, your parents didn't teach the languages, rather. Uh-huh. And so what does that do, and how do you define a multicultural America in today's world? Oh, that's a great question. And it's so true for all of us kids that are multicultural or multicultural, like all of us have a different experience with be with all of our identities. So growing up, I mean, I didn't have, although my, my parents were very much into their cultures, you know, my dad spoke Farsi with his family. And every time I was with my family, I'd be around Farsi. My mom still was speaking Spanish with her family. So I grew up around these cultures. But they didn't teach me their languages, and language is such a part of culture. So there's something that I feel like I lack because I didn't learn the languages. Um, and growing up, most of my friends were just, you know, uh, Caucasian Americans. And so I didn't have a lot of Latin friends and a lot of Persian friends. Uh, so I grew up with the bits of all three cultures, and um, I just never felt enough of any of them, which I'm sure a lot of people out there with multicultural background can understand. When I'm with um, Colombian family or Colombians, I may not feel Colombian enough, although I, you know, I feel Latin. And when I'm with the Persians, I don't feel Persian enough, although I do, um, you know, embrace my culture and culture. And when I'm in America, I feel like I'm the different exotic one because people often see the Iranian Colombian side. But it's funny living abroad, living in Europe, I kind of feel my identity the most here. Like I, I feel American and I feel very comfortable and like I understand who I am here, um, which is funny. I, I don't know if anyone else can um, no, identify no. with that. No, I, I, it's funny. I feel more Nigerian here than I do in Nigeria. And uh-huh. it is, is interesting because for me, growing up initially, I grew up in, in Nigeria, then it was Sweden, it was Burkina Faso, then it was the United States and you know Vietnam. And a lot of times as I was moving, you know, your, your voice changes, your accent changes, your interests change. And I remember coming back to Nigeria for, for high school and think and having people almost, they just said, hey, you're American now because you sound different or you play different sports and do different things. <laughs> and I, I, I remember not understanding that, you know, in high school, like, because they would, sometimes people would whisper like things about the country whenever they're talking because they assumed that I didn't know anything mm-hmm. about my government. I was like, I'm still Nigerian. It's like, oh, we didn't realize. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, we just thought you, you're foreign. And then, Back and forth, and even going back home, you know, Nigeria is the English is the official language in Nigeria, but mm-hmm. we have over two hundred, you know, over two hundred different languages. And um, my parents, oh, you know, bless them, I love them. They didn't teach me you were about a tribal language because it was like no, just focus in English. And okay. and uh, sometimes my grandma would be like, ah, 
this, this, you know, you, you, you're not quite your, but I was like, this is my family. So there was that. But then I came here to the States and, you know, I remember just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm Nigerian. And people would argue with me about, nah, but you can't be. There's no way. You don't look. I'm like, what does a Nigerian look like? No, no way. <laughs> and so we have that back and forth. But I found even having that more, I even had a bigger sense of pride because people didn't expect me to be Nigerian and to be uh, able to speak English or to be articulate or any of that. And okay. there's just that pride because I'm like, yeah, I'm representing the country away and I'm changing people's perceptions on that. But I'm also unapologetically myself and I'm not going to define myself as any other thing. So, I mean, yeah, completely get it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's the thing about being multicultural is like it's there's no box you have to fit in. It's a unique experience for all of us because we're all coming from different cultures, right? Or the blend of different cultures um, and our experiences. So um, my experience is different, you know, from from your experience. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, you know, you mentioned the, the word superpower. I think it's our superpower because yep. we've grown up with an insight um, and nuances of different cultures that it's really easy for us to relate to other people and understand the complexities of uh, behind who people are and the cultures that they have within them. And kind of like you said, being an ambassador, I feel like I'm an ambassador here in Spain as an American, especially from Texas, because most people have a certain perception of what a Texan is, what an American mm. is, especially in these times. We're, it's, we're complex. Yeah. No, that's that thing. It's that level of intersectionalism uh, that exists. And um, I, I think I think it's it's so cool once, uh, once you know, we all embrace that identity. What about uh, people that you don't agree with? How do you have conversations with that? That's, that's also a skill set. That's also something that we need to do because the people that don't agree with us and we don't agree with them. So we need to be able to have that type of communication. What are uh, tips that you have for those? Mm -hmm. I think, well, I'm a very curious person, so I love speaking to people, especially people who think differently than me, because I'm not going to learn anything from people that I know or won't learn as much. So I'm very open, especially, I mean, this is always when I travel everywhere I go, whether I agree or disagree with um, what's going on, I really like to get to the root of why people think a certain way. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, we're people, we have much more in common than we do um, have our differences. But especially in the U.S., you know, I, to be honest, I haven't had the conversation that much with people who have very radical or different opinions than I do. But I would love to have that opportunity to understand um, what's going on because it is, you know, half of our nation. We're a nation divided. And, I, you know, these people have uh, or people with different opinions than I do have very valid reasons to have those. And I'd love to understand where they're coming from because um, it's a different world than where I come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just about. We, we all need to, um, yeah, I have the conversation. I think uh, open dialogue is something that we need to start expanding. And um, I, I mean, with the work I do, I, I, I think I, I purposely put myself in all these situations. I, I always say everybody should be the minority at some point. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think it, there's a different perspective you can get from that. But um, yeah, no, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. I want to close with some opportunities for you to educate us on, on your, your dual cultures. So you've talked about America a little bit. But can you share some things about um, Iran and Colombia? I know that uh, you know both countries have their stereotypes, but what what is the real Iran and what's the real Colombia? Yeah, so um, Colombia, I uh, didn't go to until later in life. I went as a child, but I don't remember. So I went um, in my early thirties, and for me, experiencing it as an outsider, but having the cultural connection. I would encourage people to go. It is a beautiful country, um, beautiful and rich culture. Topography is beautiful, great food. Um, it's a very vibrant 
and happy culture. Um, like many places in the world where you go where there's poverty, sometimes you just see some of those people who are living very joyfully. Um, and I saw everything across the board in Colombia. But that's one thing I noticed is that people who had and those who didn't, there was still a lot of joy in the culture. So Colombia, if it's not on your list, put it at the top. It's, it's a great place. Uh, Iran, I also went to uh, later in life. I went when I was 26 with my family. And Iran um, is a very misunderstood culture. So if you get, if you ever have the chance, please um, uh, try to go, because especially if you can go with an insider, because Iran is one of those places where what is happening, you know, publicly on the street is quite different than what's happening behind closed doors in the households. And it's just a very... A uh, fascinating thing to see this dichotomy of how people live um, in a culture um, that is living under a theocracy. Um, it's fascinating. Beautiful, warm people, a very rich culture, and it's not tarnished by tourism. So what you're seeing there is very authentic. Um, so I would encourage people to, to go if you get the chance. Okay. No, this is good. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear this because, you know, one of the goals of this podcast is to educate people on uh, different cultures. So I love that. And, uh, and you've done you've done a great job of doing that today. As we Thank close, you. no pleasure's mine. As we close, though, interesting uh, interesting things that you're up to that you can let the audience know about. Oh yeah, so um, one thing, yeah, my she hit refresh group. You know, we just started in November, so we're a young group, but we're almost three thousand members strong. Um, and so we will be doing a retreat in April 2019, going to Morocco, and it'll be. Um, part travel and culture and part workshop base for women who want to change their lives drastically through travel. So that's coming out. Um, if you're someone in our demographics, please join the Facebook group and you'll get more information there. Um, other than that, I will be traveling back to the U.S. in August, so I'm excited for that to see family and friends. But right now, it's just working hard on my group and also, you know, learning the Spanish. My mother didn't teach me Spanish. I've learned quite a bit here in Spain. But props to anyone who speaks a second language fluently because getting the path to fluency is a very long one, and I'm still on it. Gotcha. Well, hey, hey I, the fact that you're doing it is already a great start, so that's that's amazing. So she hit refresh. We'll put that in, on the show notes, um, which has over 2,000 members, and it's been there for just about six months or a little over now, and and that's you know that's continuously grown. It's a group for women over 30 who want to break free from routine and start a life of travel. Uh, you're coming, you come back in the states. You come back to states soon, but you're also doing a sort of group travel soon, right? You're gonna do a group yes. travel out of the out of the country for that. So that's good. And I'll make sure we'll definitely put all that in the show notes. But before you go, I always ask my guests this question. This is my mission statement: use your difference to make a difference. It's the reason I do anything I do today. So, how do you, Seppi, use your difference to make a difference? Great question. Um. How do I use my difference to make a difference? Um, I think I use my difference just to help inspire people. You know, I have chosen an unconventional path in life. Um, and so I think um, I just try to lead by example um, and help other people see that it's possible. You don't have to stay on uh, the conventional path to have a happy life. If you want something else, you can make it happen. It's possible. It's good. It's good. And yeah, it's definitely using your story and I think just being bold enough to share those perspectives is, uh, is, is, is something that's admirable. Um, and, and you're creating platforms for people to do the same, especially with your group, uh, you know, just targeting on, on, on the, the, the ladies that you target and telling them like, this is, this is 
an opportunity. You can hit refresh and you can break free from routine. It's just an amazing thing to do. So I love that you've been uh, um, instrumental in that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The pleasure is mine. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Seppi. This has been a real treat. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. And thank you for asking uh, these very interesting questions. I had so much fun here. <laughs> the pleasure is mine. And ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.